Conversations with Matt Dwyer, everybody. I'm Matt Dwyer. If you're an old-time listener, you're noticing that music is different uh, than I usually use. That is a song by the Henry Clay people called Ellie versus the Eczema Princess from their album Blacklist the Kids in the Red. Um, in the Red Mustache, sorry. I was reading that, and I didn't read it well. Anyway, if you like that music, uh, the guitarist in that band is today's guest. Uh, he's no longer a musician. He wrote the really great film Palm Springs. His brother Joey is in that band as well. He was a guest on the podcast like six years ago to talk about the band. But Andy and I talk about how he was in the band and his life and how he shifted to becoming a screenwriter and television writer. Really interesting story. Uh, and... Quite frankly, to be in a really great band, to shift to being a really great screenwriter, haven't seen that too much in my life. <laughs> and his, I mean, it's it's really hard to break into writing in this town. Believe me, I speak from experience. Uh, so he's really had quite the uh, trajectory. Um, also, if you do like the Henry Clay people, check out Joey Sierra's new band, um, Near Beer. So if... He's He took a break from music. He returned. But Andy Sierra and I have a whole talk about film and their career and a little bit about our kids. Um, it's a really great episode. If if, you, if you're if you listening to the podcast for the first time, uh, go back to my old episodes. I've talked to a ton of musicians, Dave Pajo from Slint recently. Uh, I've talked to plenty of filmmakers and artists and political radicals like Wayne Kramer and... So please check out my older episodes. It's I've got a I'm really proud of my library. Um, lately, because of quarantine, I'm doing my intros and interviews at weird spots in my tiny apartment. Uh, right now, I'm doing this before anybody wakes up with allergies that are choking my throat, and I'm really trying hard not to cough. So to not cough, I'm just going to switch over to our conversation with Andy Sierra. Please enjoy and check out the movie Palm Springs. Did you anticipate the the response to this movie to be so crazy? No. <laughs> Not at all. Cuz also you like you're uh, you're doing a lot of interviews and uh, you're getting a lot of attention which is kind of, you know, in Hollywood writers rarely get to shine like this. Um I mean, you know, it's all it's uh, uh, I have, I have nothing smart or wise to say about that. Uh, as, as you'll see, I'm, I'm, you know, my, I'm not the smartest person. Um, we, I, I think part of it is that it's a, I, I met Max Barbaco, the uh, director, on our first day at AFI um, uh, back in 2013 and he and I just like you know on that first day hit it off immediately we bond, bonding over uh like I think Eastbound and Down had just I, th I think that was they had, it had just wrapped up its final season we both talked about how like that show the, there's this they're kind of masters of tone in a way that uh you can go from these moments of like you know slapstick comedy where you're like you're laughing to tears and then to a moment of like real 
human emotion where you're actually crying and to, to do, to go back and forth between those in, you know, within a scene or from a line to line type thing. That's, we just, we love that. So you can just, you know, laugh and cry in the same scene. Um, and we, we bonded, we bonded over that and then bonded over pavement, granddaddy placements. <laughs> um, and then, and then, uh, also, also both of us are little brothers. Um, we're like the, the younger of two brothers. And so there is like, there's that like similar outlook on life that we are both kind of taking this, like this step into film school <laughs> to kind of prove something to ourselves. Um, you know, I had to go way into debt to do it, which was not smart of me. Um, but, uh, but from that moment on, like Max and I did a short together there or like a short, that first year together, we did another, like our thesis film short together. And then straight out of film, straight out of school in June of 2015, we're like, let's do our first movie together. Um, and for the next three years, it was really just, you know, we about every possible thing that we'd, we'd want to see in a movie and about ourselves and, you know, doing some deep therapeutic dives. Uh, and then I'd go off and write and we just kind of, we were just developing this thing together that like it was, I was, I was writing to make him laugh, uh, and to make him feel something and his, you know, any notes or anything that we're doing, like it was always just like his audience was me. My audience was him. And then it was, we didn't have anyone that really like, you know, in, in our wildest dreams, we would have like, yeah, this be cool. It'd be cool to actually make this someday to get, uh, but when it came, you know, after the script was done, that was still like, I mean, hopefully someone will let us make this or give us some money to make this. Uh, but in it, even if we don't, at least it was fun while it lasted, <laughs> at least it was fun to make it. And then every, every step of the way since then, it was like, it is so our, our expectations were already super low because it, again, it was just us two for so long. And then every step of the way, it was just our, yeah, our expectations were kind of exceeded where once, um, I got this manager that loved it and he passed it around town who got to this agent at, at UTA who passed it up to, um, lonely Island and, you know, and offered it to Andy. And then, so once we were in, we got a call that like, Oh, Andy and Akiva and Becky Slobiter, who was running their company, um, they want to meet, uh, we're like, what? <laughs> really? That's cool. And so like, even just like that, that alone, that phone call exceeded our expectations. And then when they, then the next few months of developing it further, that was like, okay, I never could have imagined this. And then finding financiers never could imagine that getting into Sundance was like, wait, Oh, that's, that's insane. And then, then everything from that, it's constantly like, uh, I don't know. I'm just, are I you? just kind of have to shrug it. I had to have to shrug and take a sip of beer and like, <laughs> uh, I, I feel incredibly lucky. And, um, I know that's not the case. I know that movies are very hard to make. And so I'm just taking it all in strides, man. How many years did it take from, to get it made? Give or take. Like. Um, from, 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 I mean, it's, it's from the first kind of conversations that Max and I had, uh, I mean, you know, maybe towards toward the end of our second year at AFI, that uh, the Charlie McDowell and Justin Later, the guys who made the one I love, um, they came and showed they came and showed the one I love to us at school, and those were they both went to AFI. They had gone, I think, I think it was maybe eight years prior, and 
they one of their big biggest pieces of advice for our entire class was uh you know it's we got we got trapped in kind of a development hell for for many years straight out of afi and then had nothing to show for it then it was off of like a i think it was off of a uh a general meeting with mark duplass um that charlie said that mark had suggested yeah or or said yeah do you have any like you know a tiny movie that we can just go make or like a script that we can just go you know shoot shoot on the cheap and they did it and it was like they they weren't waiting for people they weren't waiting for permission basically um and his 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 big piece of advice to us which was you know following in that kind of duplass brothers model and just like just just go make make the thing uh don't wait for anyone to give you permission to make it and you know i think max and i really took that to heart and we looked at each other like that sounds great and then but it wasn't until like the week after we graduated in june that we're like okay now let's actually do that let's let's figure out what we want to do and so he and i went drove out to palm springs and had like a little bit of a like a lost weekend i mean i'd say that and i say that in like in a, in a in a cliche way it was like it's not, we didn't go out there and do drugs or anything we we went to a bar and drank mai tais and then stayed up late at the casino gambling and it was like it was a very like pg version of a lost weekend um and uh and that's you know out of that weekend we had the idea of this character and that we of niles and that we knew we wanted to we knew we wanted to set the movie and in Palm Springs, um, you know, around maybe one location. And then just over the next three years, it just took, you know, when that's, there was never an outline for this. So a lot of it was just kind of found in those conversations and then found in the writing. And therefore it just <laughs> took way longer than, than a script should necessarily take to write. But I think also like our lives change so much during that time i went from you know we both went from being students to i went from yeah being a student to um working on lodge 49 for so many years um so i was having to write like you know in the off hours of that then during that time i got married um we're also both going to a ton of weddings that's when it all kind of like focused a little more and then in the writing of it you know while, while maybe we initially were like let's do like our super indie $50,000 movie that hopefully we can find someone to like finance to in the, in the writing of it. It's it, I, I wear my influences on my sleeve a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's no secret that Jurassic park is kind of the movie, the movie that made me want to do everything. So, uh, hence why there's dinosaurs in the movie. And, uh, and you know, I think, I think both Max and I love a good set piece. And so our, just, it just ballooned a little bit. It's still, it's still a tiny, you know, a low budget indie movie, but, uh, through the writing of it, it just got to being too big of a movie to just like hand off to, two idiots who haven't made anything. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, yeah, fr- from, if you're looking at it from like whatever, June of 2015 to now, I mean, you know, five years, but it was three years, almost three years, um, just under three years until we got it to the lonely Island guys. And we worked on it for a few more months with them and then took it out three years ago, uh, or sorry, two years ago. Um, for financing and then we made it last april and may so like by the time the the movie was like you know it it was officially done i would say like at least like a locked cut sometime at the end of 
December, perhaps, or November. I'm not too sure. Anyway, it was, yeah, it's, 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 it's com- compared to some movies have a much longer journey. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was relatively quick, especially when it got to, um, when I got to party over here, Lonely Islands company, uh, once we started working with them, it was like, well, you know, I went in there on a, on a, on a Monday, went through the script. I turned the script, turned the draft around by Friday. And then by Saturday morning, I'm getting a text from, from Becky, who, uh, that one of the producers who was saying, read it, loved it, come in on Monday. We'll talk some more. And it's like, th- that was so refreshing <laughs> having, you know, worked with other producers who are like, okay, we'll, we'll get back to you in, in the month. Uh, we'll, we'll read this sometime. Um, when, yeah, like that told me, it was like, Oh, they actually want to make this. And therefore when like you get that kind of enthusiasm on, on that side, it just lights, it lights the fire under my ass to like turn things around quicker. And so, yeah, from the time we hooked up with them, it was, we were shooting, we were in production a year later. So. Wow. That's crazy. And that's, I mean, I know people who've had films with, major weight guys and it it's taken longer than that yeah yeah um Um, to go way back because when i met you you were uh playing in the henry clay people and i had no idea that you had did you when you were playing with the henry clay people because that band was obviously on a i felt like they you guys were on a path of uh you were like one of the hottest bands in la did you have these ambitions or, or was that something or was it a secret ambition at the time or was that something you were already knew you wanted to do for, um, you mean like uh, the film world and TV yeah. world? Yeah. Um, I'd say, <laughs> and I, I'm, 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 as I'm talking, I'm, I'm tossing this paperweight that Amanda and my wife just got me, <laughs> um, back and forth in my hand. That's been the paperweight is the, is the mosquito in Amber from Jurassic Park. Um, it's the, the top of John Hammond's cane. Uh, and so to, to answer that question, uh, you know, the, the romantic version of it all is we moved from Whittier, California, uh, in May, end of May of, of 1993. Um, I was like at the end of my second grade year and we moved, uh, like I finished second grade in Whittier and then, I, we moved to Yorba Linda, um, birthplace of Richard Nixon in, uh, uh, or whatever, May or June, top of June. And, you know, moving to a new town as a, was, I was a month shy of turning seven. Um, very, very shy kid. Uh, Joey and I, my older brother, Joey, um, you know, Joey, but you know, to the, I don't know. <laughs> anyone, that, any, any, anyone that's maybe listening, that's Joey. I'm sure we'll factor it in a second. Um, we, you know, he and I weren't as close as we, we, you know, that was, I think he was 10 at the time. So, you know, you're not like, he and I weren't close yet. Um, we, you know, now we're like, you know, we're best buds, but at the time it was, it was, and it was just us two. So I didn't have any friends in this new town. Um, I was a shy kid, so I didn't go like knock on neighbors doors to play. Uh, we hadn't, you know, third grade for me hadn't started yet. So I didn't have like the forced friendships there. It was, you know, it was just the top of summer. And then, uh, my dad took us to see Jurassic Park on June 11th, 93. And it was at that point, I was like, Oh, okay, this is, this is what I want. Uh, it, it just, it, it, uh, like something, it somehow like clicked in my mind 
uh, for like, you know, on the one side of, you know, like good art piece makes you feel less alone. made me feel less alone. Also as this beautiful escapism, I'm sure that, uh, you know, it's, it deals with so many things on like a subconscious, like, uh, arc, uh, yeah, subconscious level that like, uh, maybe that was, was starting to fire, you know, fire things off in my brain at that young age. I don't know, maybe, or maybe I just like dinosaurs. Um, it was just, I, I became obsessed with the movie and I saw it nine times that summer and my, uh, my aunt Jill, my mom's best friend, um, bought me a, or gave me her, their old, uh, camcorder, like their old, like shoulder mount, like, you know, big VHS camcorder that I think it was that summer or maybe it was like for Christmas that year. And then at that point I was just like, I wanted just to make, make little short films and just, I wanted to make movies when, you know, those started from like little, uh, <laughs> movies out of my toys to, asking, uh, teachers if I can, I can, instead of writing a book report, you know, let me, let me make the movie of, uh, of, of <laughs> bridge to Terabithia or, uh, the Westing game or, um, Romeo and Juliet. And then as I got older, I did the crucible and, um, uh, there was that, there were some other ones in high school too. I did but anyway. So I always had that. Then on the writing side, um, I would, you know, I, I wrote a, <laughs> I, what I thought was great. It was, it was called stuck in the past. It was a, a, t- a time travel, uh, short story. This is when I was in sixth grade. Um, uh, that I remember I was so proud that it was 30 pages long, but it was about a, uh, you know, group of time travelers that go and they see the dinosaurs. And clearly I was just trying to like tap into my Jurassic park stuff. Um, and then the sequel to stuck in the past was where they go and stop the Lincoln assassination. This was when I was like, uh, to, to me, I felt like it was a, a, a sequel that people would love to read. Um, and I don't think any, I don't think anyone outside of my mom even read Stuck in the Past, the first one. Uh, and, and and I, I think Stuck in the Past too, uh, where they stopped the Lincoln assassination. I don't think that ever. Um, I don't. I think I abandoned that project once I went off to middle school. Um, anyway, but like, but that so that was always there, and I always remember like you know I, I was in wrestling in, in in high school for the first two years, and then. I, to, to, I think to my, to my dad's disappointment and he's, he's come around on it a lot. Uh, but I remember I, I got the coaches award, uh, at the banquet in my sophomore year, uh, of high school. And then in fact, my, the coach like gave, gave this speech about it and my, you know, brought my dad to tears. And then it was like two days later, I'm like, yeah, so I'm going to quit wrestling. I'm going to go join video yearbook. <laughs> so I can, uh, so I can check out the, the, the fancy cameras so that I can make my little weird shorts. Um, and my, my dad tried to bribe me with, a bu- buying me a new, um, Les Paul. And I still said no, because, because I always knew like I, I was more at home, like making fun little movies. Um, but then I also like, there was a band part of me and, you know, a lot of that comes from Joey. Uh, Joey introduced me to so much music and he, and I had, I had like little shitty bands in in high school that like, I mean, like when I say shitty, they were truly as most high school bands are like, you're, it was just, I think one, like we had, like we did our punk version of, uh, show me, uh, I can show you the world, the Aladdin song. Like we played it once and just that broke up. Then I had my wannabe Elliot Smith, like acoustic duo, uh, and then, but then my brother who was always in like, he's always in the, the cool, good band him being three and a half years older, his band broke up and he was off at Santa Barbara 
for college. I was in my junior high school. Um, and then Joey asked me if I wanted to, you know, start a new band with him. Um, called Vallejo by Knife, we were called. It was with the same drummer as um, in his old band and the same drummer became Henry Clay, Henry Clay People. And that, that band essentially became the Henry Clay People, but it was from like June, or sorry, not June, it's from like my junior year of high school on that like, I don't know, I could, th- and th- in, into college that like, I kind of, I never s- stopped, you know, my passion for movies and TV shows and, and, whatnot, but like, I kind of put it on hold a little bit, not intentionally. It was more of like, I was just lost in life. Um, as you know, everyone is, but yeah, I took, I took, you know, creative writing classes at, at UCI, but the band kind of just like took my focus. And I think, I think honestly what it did was it, it made it so I didn't have to actually have to make a decision about like what I want to do with my life. The band was, uh, very popular in LA. You guys were doing big tours. I can't, I'm flaking on who you guys were opening for, for a while. Uh, um, so yeah, it, it, it started like, like when the band really we started taking the band a lot more seriously. It was the summer. It was right when I finished it. Um, maybe it's my last, my last year of, of, of UCI. I think it was, is that I, we, we recorded with us, with this guy, Howard Billerman, who he did, um, a funeral our arcade fire and then we, we got him and this guy this uh, guy colin stewart um did like uh pretty girls make graves and whatnot and we like kind of teamed up this like super producer duo <laughs> and we went up to portland at uh, jackpot studios um you know where elliot smith and pavement and whatnot have all recorded um and then we did like two weeks there and then did a week in in Montreal at a, at Hotel de Tango, which was Howard's studio. And that was like the summer before my final year at, uh, at UCI. And that's where like, we were really like, let's take the band super seriously, spent a lot of money on that record. And that's when Joey had lived in Joey had moved to LA. He'd already finished college. And so we're starting to play a lot more. I think it's probably right around when you met Joey playing with like, you know, sort of like lounge and Spaceland and Echo, or we were trying to get into those places. Like we're trying to get shows at the Echo or uh, Spaceland, and then it was that record that we recorded that like finally came out. Um, that we, I don't know, like we 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 kind of were a band that never said no to shows. Uh, which the, like, around that time, a lot of bands were like they do one show a month, and <laughs> I think I, I, I think because like. <laughs> practicing was never fun for us. Uh, playing shows was just so much more fun. So like there was, there was this month that I, I remember we played uh, every, cause the, in anyone who's not in LA, you know, you have the residency. So you have like the, the Monday night residencies were like a, a big thing back in that, like 2007, eight, nine, 10 music scene. I mean, I don't know how big of a thing they are still, I mean, at the moment, I guess they're not at all because there's nothing. Um, uh, but like, but I remember there was one month where like, you know, and again, the band were like, we'll, we'll play one residency, one person, one other band's residency, like every few months perhaps. And we just said yes to every single one. And like, so there was one month where we played like a Monday at Silver Lake Lounge, a Monday at Spaceline, a Monday at the Echo. And then I think a Monday at the Bowling Alley or a Sunday at the Bowling Alley, All-Star Lanes. Um, and that was kind of like, that was the best thing we could do. One, it was, it was so much fun to play live. And two, you just are in front of so many people. It's like, um, I mean, you just, you just, it's 
people will, even if people haven't seen you yet, they'll at least have heard of you because you're just playing on every band's, every, every other band show in the area. And so, um, yeah, now I'm, now I'm really hopping around, but I'll, I'll get <laughs> at, at end of, end of 2000 or, uh, March of 2008, I finished up at UCI. I, I remember finishing my last final ran across the street, hopped in our band van and headed out to South by for, that was like our first South by trip. I remember we were like, this is going to be it. This is going to, we're going to really, you know, break out here. And we played two, two shows, uh, or we went out there to play two shows. One was a, a, a 12, 12 o'clock, 12 PM show. Um, and we played in front of, I think like five people, um, all five of them had seen us a million times in, in uh, LA. And then we played a 2 PM show just, you know, two hours later, um, right down the street. And I think there were 10 people there and all 10 people had, were our friends from LA. And that was a really like, Oh, this is <laughs> being in a band is, is not easy. easy. <laughs> and South by Southwest is not like, it's not, you know, the gateway to success as maybe we thought it was. <laughs> so, uh, so, but, but I, I didn't really kill our spirits. We still had a really fun time. Um, and we just kept playing a bunch in LA. And I think again, playing a bunch in LA just opens doors that way. And it was at the end of 2008 that, um, uh, airborne task event. Uh, we got, because we had played a couple shows with them and they had their first like big U S headlining tour coming up. And we, they asked us to be the opening band on that. And that was like, from that point on, we just were kind of on the road nonstop, um, with them, with silver sun, with, uh, spent a lot of time with drive by truckers and, uh, yeah, some other bands too. The did big, you, yeah. Did you think that was going to be the rest of your life for a while? No. No. Oh, you I, I, luckily, I, again, as I, I, I look at it like it's this. I mean, I, I, maybe. I, I mean, I, in hindsight, I, I can say no, but at the same time, like I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I in, in the moments, I, I don't think I. I had the gift of like foresight yet. Uh, not, not, I mean, not, not that I even do now. I don't, I don't have that at the moment either. Did I know there was a fucking pandemic coming? No. Uh, it's, I, I think at the time it, it, you know, I graduated in 2008, the economy collapsed. It was like, you know, no one's getting jobs. Then I came out of school, not knowing what to do. I was so incredibly lucky. I think most, you know, some people know what to do, uh, know what they want to do with their lives right out of college. I definitely did not. Um, but I had this fun outlet, this like this band outlet. And I, you know, poured myself into not on, but like, but there was, there was a couple moments, um, that I always that burned into my mind. I think I can't, there was a spin, um, spin magazine, like, where are they now? Uh, <laughs> issue or, or yeah, uh, article. And I, I can't remember if I was still in Irvine at the time at UCI or if it was like right, like when I moved to LA. But I remember reading this and it was going, it was like members of bands that like, I think maybe some Modest Mouse guys and Shins and also bands from the 90s. But, um, like certain members that have kind of like that left the band, like what are they doing now? And what I always, what I noticed, what I pulled away from that was like the, <laughs> the songwriter of the band tends to go off and work in television or movies doing like, you know, film scores or, um, you know, or whatever 
writing writing music for TV or composing music for TV or film um, or working at a studio a lot of the times too like they'll have their own studios um, everyone else that was not the songwriter of the band they left completely they left, left the music industry completely some like start a food truck some go into like other forms of art some go into journalism like I mean it's, it was they were endless um, but there was that the common denominator of like if you're the songwriter you tend to stay in music in some way. Sometimes your, your band is still successful. And the other one was, uh, if you're not the songwriter, then you, you, there is a, there is a, there's already a shelf life to a band, but especially if you're not the songwriter. And then for me, I was like, I'm not the songwriter. <laughs> uh, jo- jo- Joey's the songwriter. Um, I'm just like, you know, I helped a lot. Uh, but the, the band could always exist without me. It could never exist without Joey. Um, so therefore like that always was in the back of my mind. And I think it was probably around then that I, um, I don't know, I remember just looking up the film schools, uh, you know, SC, AFI, um, NYU, Columbia, I think Columbia, I don't know, whatever the main film schools. And I was like, you know, when the time comes, I should probably go back to school and go to grad school for film. Cause like, I know that that is always a thing that I, I have wanted to do. Um, and you know, but I'm, I'm going to ride the band wave as long as I can. I'm going to give myself to it completely. Uh, and then it was, it was terrifying when the, when the band like, you know, plateaued when we're, we're doing okay in, in LA and New York and Chicago and Austin. But then, you know, we play in, um, smaller cities in, in the Midwest and, you know, there's just more playing in front of 10 people. And I, 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 you know, when I was, when I was 22 on that, like one of those first tours, I felt so much more at home in the van on the road with my brother and the other guys in the band, the kind of a revolving door of bass players and drummers, but you know, I don't know, Eric and, John, uh, Noah and Harris and whatnot. Um, like I, I, that's where I felt at home, like with that family. Um, and then I remember it, <laughs> after waking up, kind of, you know, hung over on a Tuesday morning after not playing, after playing to maybe five people the night before in, I mean, in, in name a city. <laughs> uh, I just was like, I would rather be home. I, I, I miss my, girlfriend who I'm now married to Amanda, but like, but you know, when I was 27, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to be home. I, I wanted to, I felt more at home, you know, with her at a house or at a, I mean, not a house. It was a t- tiny bungalow, but <laughs> rather than like crashing on people's floors or in hotels or in a van. Um, and yes, there might be like, you know, for a, a band like ours, we, we, I, I always knew that we were never a band that would be, huge. Um, it just, there's, we, we, we never, never wrote the Coldplay songs, um, for a band to really last that long. Like, I mean, you look, you look at drive by truckers, they're like, they're career, career musicians. And they, you know, we, we spent a lot of time on the road with them and they spend, you know, on a, on a, on a record year, they're spending whatever, 11 months out of the year on, on the road. And it's a comfortable existence living, you know, they, they tour in a bus. We never, you know, we never could tour in a bus. We're always in a van. Um, but I just, 
that's that that's, that just wasn't really, I think the life that I ever wanted. And, um, and so I, I didn't want to be still doing this in my forties or fifties just cause it was, I don't know. It's exhausting. And, and it just, I felt like I was just not being, I guess I don't, I don't know, be not being true to myself perhaps. I'm going to take a little break from the interview right now to thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing and you want to be more of the community that is Conversations with Matt Dwyer, you can become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash conversations with Dwyer. There's exclusive content on there. There's bonus episodes, raw files of the unedited uh, conversations, videos, photos. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff. It's a great way. It's also a great way to support the show because uh, I, for a long time, was with a network. I am now independent. I'm doing this all on my own. Uh, so please, uh, it would help me greatly if you became a Patreon supporter. If you can't support that way, feel free to uh, rate and review the show on iTunes and tell your friends about it. That means a great deal to me. And for all things Conversations Matt Dwyer, you can go to themattdwyer.com and you could have links to merch and social media. And that way it's an easy jumping off point for any way you want to find out more about the show, find out, find out more about me or support the show. I thank you very much for listening, and now we go back to the interview. How did you transition from into the working on the lodge? Because I re- that's when I first re- when I first heard that I was like, we hadn't we you know we would have been in touch on and off over the years, but I was like, how the fuck did that happen? Like to me, that was because I was like, oh, musician, and uh, you know, and then I was like, yeah, he's writing on TV, like, and that's like I know guys who have spent you know years trying to crack that open and it's like i was like that guy just went from a band to writing for tv that's amazing (laughs) um i mean again i i have to look at like because that that was never that was always in me for sure and you know during the band years i mean during the end of the band years like uh me and Joey and Noah were working on a script together at some point, just cause like, you know, a lot of people go through that phase where you just, you, you write a script cause, cause it seems easy. Um, and me, Noah and Joey tried and then me, Joey and another one of our friends tried me, Joey and, uh, our buddy, Brian Soika did a script together. Um, and like, they're all various versions of the kind of the same script, a band on the road. Uh, yeah. And, and then, um, but then it was at the end of, yeah, at the end of 2012, when the, when our band had plateaued and, and I saw that like, Oh, Joey and I were living together and, uh, Joey was applying to grad school to go off and, you know, to the next phase in his life to become a teacher um, and that's where I got terrified and I was like, okay, now, now I need to actually do the, do the film school thing once and for all. And so it was like, I mean, this is, this is a weird, weird roundabout way of asking, of answering the question, but it was like, because that was always in me, I needed to actually just take that leap and, you know, do something that was terrifying, which was go two hundred thousand dollars in the debt which is obscene um and it's not I, I, I didn't get it i didn't get any help from like my, my my parents are lovely people um but you know we had a, a, a nice middle class upbringing that didn't have a an afi tuition sitting around they were incredibly supportive um and they told me to go for it but 
you know, I, did, I just, I couldn't get that kind of help, that financial help. So I had to go into debt and it was because I backed myself in that corner. I was more like, I have to, I, I, I can't fail at this. Cause if I fail at this, I don't know what else I'm going to do with my life. Uh, and so, and so therefore like as for getting on lodge 49, like while I was at AFI, I did every, I, you know, went to every possible class, did every little elective type class too. Cause I knew, cause I knew that like I'm, I'm spending way too much money to be here. So I better get a lot out of it. And I'm taking this super seriously. Um, and then for my second year, when I was in my second year there, I emailed my friend, um, Carrie, who she works at AMC and Joey and I had met her back in the band days, like toward the end of the band days. And, um, emailed her. I was like, yeah, does, does AMC offer any internships? Cause like, you know, <laughs> now I'm, all I was thinking was like, I'm, I'm done in a year. And, uh, and now I need to figure out what I'm going to do with this AFI, um, degree because, you know, I know that the world doesn't really, really care about what school you went to. Um, it just cares about the work. So like, <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, yeah, we actually do have an internship here. So, uh, so I went in there and she got me, she gave me this internship starting at like my second year at AFI and, um, uh, my, from two different people there, my, my friend Jane, who was also interning there. And then, uh, this guy, Stefano, who, uh, he was kind of my, my boss there. They both put the script on my desk. Having, I think, I think maybe they had each read one of, one of my scripts and, you know, having just talked to them a bunch, they kind of like get at my sensibility and they put this script on my desk at the end of 2014. And they both said like, I think you're going to love this. Uh, and it's, it's a script that we have in development here. And it was Lodge 49 and I read it and I was like, Oh shit, this is, this is great. Uh, and I looked at who wrote it and it was like this guy, Jim Gavin, three months earlier, I had been recommended, uh, by another, like a director that I was working with who had, you know, a fan of my writing. Uh, he said, you should really read this book of short stories called middlemen. Um, it's fantastic. And so I, I read that and then I connected the dots. It's like, Oh wait, Jim Gavin's the same guy who wrote that book of short stories that I love too. That's all like these, these Southern California, uh, little tales. And after I read it, I just, I remember going into Carrie's office and I was like, I, first of all, this is the best thing I've read in, uh, at least in the best, my, my, recent life of reading scripts in the past few years. This is the best script I've ever read. And this is a show that I would want to watch. And you guys, so you guys should make this. Not that I, my opinion matters at all. Cause I'm just a dumb intern, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but I said that if you guys do open up a room for this, like I will do, I will take out the trash. I don't care. Like I, I want to be in that room. Um, and what was, and you know, over the next six months there, you know, continue developing the script and I kept on checking in on it. And it was this weird, like, I don't know, aligning of the stars, perhaps, or just a total dumb coincidence. But uh, that weekend, the week after I graduated from AFI, I had already interned, I had already interviewed for, to be a, an assistant in the writer's room um, for Lodge. Like, like, it was like right toward the end of AFI. Um, but then when that weekend where me and Max the director of Palm Springs and I went out to Palm Springs, stayed up late gambling and drinking Mai Tais. Um, and the next morning woke up a little hungover and then we're eating, uh, breakfast at the Ace Hotel trying to just kind of, you know, nurse the hangover. 
Um, and I, I was bummed cause I, I had been like two weeks since I interviewed on lodge and I was like, I, I should, I probably would have heard by now. I'm not, I'm not going to hear anything. Um, I probably didn't get the job. And so I was like, you know, in a weird, like depressive spiral. Um, and then I had to go to the bathroom as, as one does after a night of drink, a night of drinking, um, not, not to vomit just, you know, and then it was, it was while I was, <laughs> while I was in the bathroom that like, I got a call and I, it's a number I don't recognize, but I also have a feeling like it's, it, I know it's not like a spam call though. And it's, I have that feeling. So I answer it while, you know, in the bathroom. Um, and, and because it's Ace Hotel, like music's blasting in the bathroom. So I, I remember, I remember it was, uh, it was, <laughs> it sounds like it's, it's a movie moment too, but it was, it's it a was once in a lifetime talking heads was blasting. <laughs> uh, and it was, uh, the original showrunner of, uh, of Lodge and then Jim Gavin on the phone offering me, you know, it's going to be a writer's PA, which is, you know, the lowest, uh, of the assistants, but it's still like, it's, it's a very coveted spot for anyone just trying to like break into a writer's room. But they called me and offer that as I'm, you know, sitting on the toilet and, uh, <laughs> as, and, 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 and I and pretending like I'm just in a, in a, in a crowded restaurant and there's music blasting. Um, but I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't want to go to the voicemail. So, uh, yeah, they offered me the job. And then it was like two weeks later that I started and that there was, there was an earlier like mini room is what they call them. But it was like a, a four month room that, uh, I was a writer's PA in, which is luckily like, you know, some shows, some TV shows will have the writer's PA sit out in the, <laughs> you know, in the little bullpen area and don't get, they don't get to go in the writer's room. Luckily I was working around like some of the, the kindest writers in the business who were, um, you know, and from the top down, like Jim Gavin, uh, like, yeah, come, come in the room and just, you know, be in the writer's room. So I just like was a fly on the wall and absorbed so much. And then it like that, that room is a little, like a little stutter start in a way. Uh, I, I won't go too in the details of that, but this, that room didn't go forward. But then like a, li- a little while later, there was another room that went forward. Um, that's when they brought on Peter Ako, the showrunner and to like work with Jim and Jim brought me back for like this kind of other writer's room. And then there was like, uh, <laughs> there was no showrunner assistant at that point. So I was like, Hey, can I just be showrunner assistant instead of writer's PA? And Peter and Jim were like, yeah, sure. Cool. And it was like, so I like this like minor promotion there. And then we just did that whole, like the whole first season of lodge was this really, really long writer's room kind of, and a long like lead up to, to, um, production. So like, I think it was like, a, almost like a two year process by the time our show came out, I think something like that. Wow. That's um, crazy. and what was cool is that like, like, so o- overall by the end of lodge, I had spent, I think almost, four years on lodge by the time it was for over four years on lodge by the time that like from when I first started to when it, uh, when it was ultimately canceled and which is, it's a very long time for one show. And I look at it like that was <laughs> my band toured for like four or five years. Uh, that was a very formative experience. AFI was two years. That was a very formative experience. Um, being on lodge was four years. That was, so therefore like it was truly like this, uh, post doctorate, I guess, like after grad school, um, in, you know, understanding television, but also just understanding like the life work balance. And I, 
um, Peter was, you know, it's like a, a mentor, uh, kind of just like when I was there on the front lines with him and Jim and they just, you know, they encouraged me to pitch in the room that first season. They would, they, he had read my stuff. They're just like very encouraging people. This and the, the cousin, the two of the kindest people I've met. Um, I also learned so much about, you know, storytelling and running a writer's room and empathy for characters and all that. Um, so, and then also, yeah, from yeah, in running a show, like being like the final stop before everything goes to Peter, like I kind of, I learned just like the logistics of running a show so that when it, uh, when it came time for when season two got picked, when it got picked up for season two, they bumped me up to be a writer on season two, just because like they had stayed been with me for two years before that seeing like I, I understood the world. I understood the tone. Um, I understood kind of like how to pitch in that, in, uh, that the very, like, you know, unique tone that I think only <laughs> Jim Gavin has his gift of being able to pull off. Um, but the other, just, you know, another word to follow the, uh, the thread of the thread of bathrooms. Um, <laughs> It was, it was another very weird thing where like I was, we were in the hospital the morning after Ramona was born. Um, she was born on June 19th. So this was June 20th of 2018. Uh, and I like, we, for the, the, for the month, for two months before that, I was like deep into working on Palm Springs with the lonely Island. So like that was looking good. So there was like that hopefulness. And I just, you know, we just, Amanda just gave birth to our baby girl. So, you know, life changed drastically. And I remember getting a call that morning uh, in in our hospital room. So I went into the bathroom because the nurse was in there helping Amanda with something. So I went into the bathroom and it was my manager saying, hey, the Lost 49 uh, offer came in for to be a writer on the show. So like it was, uh, I got offered my my PA job on Lodge in the bathroom uh, <laughs> after a weird like you know journey into the soul uh, into into our into our subconscious with me and Max, um, and then I got offered uh, to be a writer on Lodge in a bathroom the morning after you know my life changed for good because of birth my daughter so now and every so time like, you're are you in the bathroom are you thinking like hey some big deal is going to come through of course yeah i'm, I'm like <laughs> I, I i i have my phone at the ready all the time because like i know that like this is where good news happens and if not then like it's still like yeah bathroom time is like it's, it's a it's a relaxing time to some we should not i don't want to talk about just in case ramona listens to this someday i don't want to like make her feel weird about right just it's like no, dad just likes likes Coming to the bathroom a lot, but it's you know I don't know. Um, did was the was the plan for the, uh, Palm Springs to be on Hulu all along, or was this was that part of because of uh, the pandemic that they because it, it did open. I know it was in drive-in theaters and whatnot. So was that the plan to end up on Hulu, or was it going to have a theatrical? We, we always had a. It was always like this this partnership with Hulu and Neon at Sundance, like they, they came in together, um, and made this deal with us. And so we were always like, you know, I, I, there was, I don't know if we ever settled on an exact time frame of theaters, but it was going to be released in theaters beforehand. Um, and then, but, but it was always going to end up, um, exclusively on Hulu after a, maybe a brief theatrical run. Again, I, I, I don't, there was, I don't think there was ever any like official window of theatrical that 
we had landed on because the pandemic just changed those conversations quickly. Um, and, but, but, you know, like there was always, so yeah, there was always going to be theaters first. Um, and then the pandemic, everything shut down. And I think we were like, you know, the, I wasn't a part of all the conversations, but the ones that I was part of were like, you know, do, do we wait a year to release this thing and get our, our little theatrical run out of it? Or do we release it now? Um, and you know, I think all of us, I mean, we, we, we lucked out, I think, in having a, a very forward thinking, um, distribution deal. I think, you know, neon is, I think at the, at the, one of the companies that's kind of at the forefront of like, you know, being a little more innovative in their distribution model. Um, and then partnering up with Hulu is just like expanding exponentially. Um, I don't know it, it felt like a very cool deal to us at the time. And now it, you know, it went oddly, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we, we did that because we have like a nice, a nice release onto Hulu. We're really getting a lot of like, they're, they're putting a lot of attention on us because they're not, they're not releasing 20 movies a week. Um, they're, you know, we are, we are the movie of, of the month for, or I don't know if it's a month, I don't the summer for them. Um, and so what's, what's nice is, and I'm, I keep getting texts from friends, uh, driving around LA with pictures of billboards. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, we're, we're on, we're on, you know, all the Hulu owned billboards around, because so they're really pouring a lot into it, which is just strange coming from, you know, what I, I thought Lodge 49 was like, well, of course we're going to be on billboards. There's a whole billboard thread uh, in the, like a plot point in the first season is it's all about a billboard. Um, you know, is there another way to live? So I was like, you know, that's like an easy marketing campaign. AMC's for sure going to put this on a bunch of billboards. And I remember we had, we had one single billboard, um, I think in West Hollywood for the uh, like deep in West Hollywood that was sandwiched between, I think maybe 20 other uh, Netflix billboards and it definitely got lost in there. And that was for the first season. And we never, I don't think we had a billboard for the second season. And then meanwhile, like, you know, feeling this, this nice marketing push, which is the marketing world. I just don't understand as much. So like, um, but feeling that nice push from them is, I don't know, it's, it's been cool. Like, do you, is this a crazy question, but, uh, is, has there been any talk about, uh, award season for the, for the movie or the, cause the script is great. I mean, obviously it's great. It's getting a lot of attention and I don't, I just, I was really blown away by so many aspects of it. I was like, holy fuck, this is great. <laughs> and oh, I, that's, and, and that's I'm very, sweet. <laughs> I'm very curmudgeonly with my movies. So, uh, I drive my wife crazy, but I, it's, I, I, I loved it. Well, you are uh, very sweet. Um, you're too nice. And, uh, I have no idea. I'm, I, uh, I, that, that, if, if that happened, just to, if anything like that happened, just to follow along that same uh, idea, of, like exceeding expectations. Like I'm just again, I'm just happy that <laughs> I'm still happy that we got that call that Lonely Island wanted to meet. Um, that, that like that is burned into my brain uh that kind of got this whole thing going so like and again as i said i, I don't i don't i, I lack foresight so i, I don't know uh, <laughs> i don't know I'm, uh, i i i i 
yeah, it's, it's a big question. The script, the, the, the script is fine. It's like it's not like this is. It's not Chinatown. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chinatown isn't Palm Springs either. So there you go. That's true. Um, but, uh, and do you, uh, do you plan on just for your future? Do you, are you going to continue, uh, focusing on films or do you have hopes of, uh, maybe a series and, and do you also want to keep working with Max? Do you, cause I, it's a great team. Yeah. I, I mean, all, all three of us, uh, like again, th- throughout the writing of Palm Springs, I was working on, um, lodge. So therefore like, I, I like that balance. I think that the balance of uh, TV and film is, I don't know, it, it's, it's nice on my brain. Um, it's like a long form, short form storytelling. Um, and then last year when we were shooting Palm Springs, um, I was also working in working on this other show, uh, Angeline about Angeline, the, the billboard queen. Oh yeah. Um, and so like that we were, I was on that for a year with, I was with Sam Esmail's company or I mean, is with Sam Esmail's company. Um, and Emmy Rossum starring as Angeline. And, um, it's like just a bunch of cool people I'm working with there. The director, Lucy, the other, the showrunner writer, Allison, um, and who are like, I don't know. So, so we, we were a third of the way into production on that when everything kind of, you know, halted. So that, that'll eventually go back. Um, but I have, I have my own, like where, where I, where I poured my heart and soul into Palm Springs. The next thing that I poured my heart and soul into is this, um, I don't know, like limited series that I'm also doing with, uh, Sam S Mail's company. And then we're, you know, we're, we're meeting directors on at the moment and we'll like eventually take that out to networks to see if anyone wants to do it. Um, but you know, we, we live in a, in a strange time for production. So I have no idea what the future looks like on that, but I, so I have, I have that and I have, and there's another movie, a movie I'm going to be doing with Max again too. Like I, I know that Max and I don't have to work on every, every single thing together. He's, he's going up to do this big, like Van Helsing, uh, Peter Dinklage, Jason Momoa movie next. Um, and I have a hand, like these other handful of projects, but then we do know that we work so well together that like we want to keep finding at least one project, if not more to have, to have, uh, you know, and in, 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 in some, some stage of being real. And so we do have, we do have that right now that will be like probably consume the next year of our life. And then it'd, it'd be cool to do like another, just, you know, be it a TV show or a movie, like just original thing from scratch with him that we can just like spend, spend another five years kind of, you know, in an incubation period in a way. Do you have any desire to direct? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I knew that was going to be the answer. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad I went to school for writing, but like, you know, I, <laughs> I still think back on those junior high, elementary school, high school days of making those little goofy shorts. Um, and you know, in, in a, in a perfect world, uh, <laughs> which we don't live there, but you know, in a perfect world, if, <laughs> if I'm lucky enough to ever have a show that I have made go on the air, then I, I will definitely be trying to direct an episode of that to kind of just like, you know, force my way in that way. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Andy. I, I uh, this yeah. is really great. Um, do you have any, social media or websites that people can go to to further follow your 
work? I, I don't know if you um, want to keep <laughs> To be honest, I'm actually like, I, I don't have a Twitter account and I, I swiped like, and I was like, do I want one? Nah, I don't. And so I didn't. And, uh, my Facebook and Instagram are private and I, I'm definitely keeping it private, but I will. <laughs> so I, I've gotten a lot of requests from people just, you know, after Sundance and after the movie and like, and I, I, I feel bad just like declining requests. Yeah. But, um, you got kids. but at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's just my, like my Instagram feed is just me and Ramona and Amanda. Um, and so like, I, I will, I will kind of only like, I, I screen people that way. And I see, you know, I see if the friends, if they, if other friends follow this person, then, Oh, maybe I've met them. And if I met them, then I will usually accept. Otherwise I'm, I'm pretty private on that whole side of it all. Yeah. I started a, a one for the podcast because it's like, you know, cause my yeah. Instagram is pizza and babies. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and it's like, I don't want people to know what my kid looks like except. Right. So anyway, but I, I know what your kid looks like though. <laughs> very, <laughs> and very, very, two, two very cute kids. So thank you. As, as, as you have one as well. And, one on the way. Why didn't we talk about babies at all? That's, I thought the whole thing, this whole conversation was going to be about having kids. Not a, not me, like, you know, <laughs> me, like, in a therapy session, just trying to, like, walk through my life. Uh, I do. It's interesting because I do, like, uh, ask a lot of artists, uh, I have like how they feel that it's changed their creativity. Cause a lot of fucking pretentious guys are like, have a kid, man, it's going to kill your creativity. It's like, I find that to be quite the opposite because I don't have some gaping hole at the center of my soul anymore. Yeah. Same. <laughs> like it's, I mean, you know, yeah, I understand having a kid is not for everybody. Um, but I don't know. It's like, it's the, <laughs> So it's a very, it's a very cliche line. Like, you know, having a kid like gives you reason to live. And I'm like, well, there's, there's, there's a reason that line exists. Cause, uh, it's like, it's, it's the coolest thing on earth. My, uh, my take is, uh, it's really gotten in the way of my suicide thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, Wayne Kramer, it's, it's, yeah. Wayne Kramer said the same thing as you. He said, he's like, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. And I was like, you're fucking Wayne Kramer and you've done everything. So, so you, yeah. <laughs> for you to say it's the coolest thing ever, it must be. I mean, what, what's great is that like all the, like, because all the cool things that he has done or like, you know, and I'm with my thing with this movie, like <laughs> Ramona doesn't, my daughter doesn't give a shit at all. <laughs> she, she just wants to hang out with me and go like, you know, go play in the backyard or, or make me a, a fake cake or a fake hamburger in her little kitchen setup. She doesn't care about that. You know, <laughs> this movie came out uh, and there's something that is so beautiful about that. Uh, and I don't know, I, I, it's, it's, it's the most, you know, I, I, looking for a, I mean, this has also just become a cliche thing too. in this, this time of quarantine and pandemic and whatnot. And is that like, you, you kind of have to find a silver lining. And, um, I, you know, I've been lucky enough with you know, having my health and whatnot. Um, but when, you know, the, the top of this year, January and February, I was really busy with Sundance. And then when we were shooting Angeline, when we were filming Angeline, those were, you know, 12 hour, 12 hour days. So I would be lucky to like be home, uh, when Ramona wakes up in the morning or lucky to get back in time to like maybe put her to bed. 
but like usually not both. And now like, you know, every day I get a, I get a wake up with her and put her to bed and hang out, you know, on little breaks throughout the day. And it's just, these are such like, you know, formative times, things that she won't remember, but I remember. And like, I want to create those memories and just to be around that much more. Um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's like, I know a lot of people are going through like self-reflection at in the, these past four months um, on how to maintain, like what is the healthy life work balance? And I'm really, I'm trying my, especially, you know, now it's, it's just gotten busier with the movie stuff. It's I'm trying my best to just, you know, be as present in her life as possible. Yeah, and even those moments that they don't remember, it has, it uh, it has to have some kind of impact. Like it has to, because mm-hmm. uh, um, even my my daughter, who's uh, she's like you know two three months now, and mm-hmm. just like I say, I when I say I love you to her, like she smiles and i'm like so mm-hmm. there has to be you know these the positive affirmation you know all that stuff it's yeah. like you know it's, i'm sure if i was yelling at her it would like like my dad did to me <laughs> it was you know like so just those voices and that presence of stability i think uh, you know yeah because i don't i i sure as fuck don't want my kids to be me that's all i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah if if we do it right our our kids will be far superior, far smarter, <laughs> far more successful. And, uh, I think, you know, that that's, that's the hope. Um, all right, Andy, cool. thank you so very much. Yeah. Thank you, man. conversations with matt dwyer do me a favor subscribe to the podcast remember to rate and review it and if you like become a patreon supporter at patreon.com slash matt dwyer conversations with dwyer also listen to my friend's podcast hunk by mike bridenstine and kilgallon's pub with joe kilgallon thank you so much for listening i look forward to seeing you again